of Secret Sauce. In this episode, we discuss the need for creating a really shitty segment, starting with Professor Lisa Durden. Then we speak with Enda and Didi, the two ladies behind Black Girl Squee podcast. We read a really important article by Leslie Mack, discuss the movie Rivermint with Shayla Raquel, and then we end the show with a little segment, a little comedy segment with um, Leslie Jones. Enjoy. So... This is frustrating to even say this, but I've decided that I'm going to create a new segment for my show. I'm going to call it Stop Shitting on Our Sheroes. You like that? The alliteration of that one? Yeah, Stop Shitting on Our Sheroes. It happens every day, all day to black women. And I'm going to go over one example that's infuriating and ridiculous. Um, And I'm talking about... Lisa Durden. She was a college professor at Essence County College in New Jersey, and she had been a, or has, or is, excuse me, a Fox contributor for quite some time. But where the problem came in was um, an interview she did with Tucker Carlson tonight on June 6th. And she went on there and defended the all-black Memorial Day celebration that was hosted by a Black Lives Matter group. Um, And because of that, she lost her job. I'm going to read to you what the college says. It's stupid. Um, But it's infuriating because she expressed an opinion. Everything that she said was absolutely true. The college fired her because they said that she... Um, somehow connected the college to um, her comments. And what they did is what she said later on, which is they publicly lynched her for expressing her opinions on what she knows is a right of every person to celebrate themselves. And that's what that Black Lives Matter group was doing. They were celebrating themselves. So I'm going to play the interview and then I will... Um, read to you what the college says in regards to firing her. So I'll start it from the very beginning so you get the full gist. Party and barred anyone who was not black from attending. This is what they said. Being intentional about being around black people is an act of resistance. This is an exclusively black space. So if you do not identify as black and want to come because you love black people, please respect the space and do not come. Lisa Durden is a political commentator and Black Lives Matter supporter. She joins us tonight. Lisa, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Good to see you again. You're doing well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I was confused by this because I thought the whole point of Black Lives Matter, one of the points would be to speak out against singling people out on the basis of their race and punishing them for that. Because you can't control what your race is. And yet they seem to be doing that. Explain that to me. 
what I say to that is boo hoo hoo. You white people are angry because you couldn't use your white privilege card whoa, whoa, to get invited Lisa. to the Black Lives Matters All Black Memorial Day celebration. Wow. Let me contextualize that for you. Memorial whoa, whoa. Day was no, created I don't want by Memorial so, so Day was first created. First of all, I don't want you to contextualize. Right? Oh, I, I need you, to contextualize it because Memorial ask, Day was created by well, on, you, black are, former slaves people in 1865 okay. to honor those individuals who were Union soldiers who fought and died for our freedom so Black Lives Matter in that same vein decided to get together with black folks I'm not going to let you filibuster past my question to make sure that black folks were celebrated for being murdered by racist terrorists I don't want to shut this down but I will okay I'm not mad at that I'm not mad at that I just have a really simple question for you if you don't like people excluding others on the basis of their race and a society we agree that that's bad I agree it's bad you agree it's bad then why are you doing it? And why are you defending listen, it now? White folks crack me up all of a sudden when we want to have one it's day a universal value. for black folks to focus on ourselves. But you've been having white day forever. You don't say the words anymore because you know it's politically incorrect. But you've had an all-white Oscars, all these movies with all-white uh, well, actors, movie like it, after movie after movie, all-white TV shows with, with white cast over and over and over again. The Bachelorette, it took a Seven seasons of a black bachelorette. Okay. Are you serious? It's, it's hard to believe. I hope you're not speaking for anyone else. I hope there aren't a lot of people well, in this country who Durden. agree I'm with for Lisa Durden. you. I just hope there aren't people watching who agree with you oh, because what watching. you're saying is so hostile and separatist and crazy. It's such a basic violation of what I thought we all agreed on, which is you don't attack people for things they can't control, namely their race. It's not an attack. I'm stating the facts. People give weddings. You, where okay. they exclude children. It doesn't mean they don't like children. They don't know if your kids are going to be monsters and those kids are going to be well behaved. No, so in no. that same vein, we're Black all... Lives Matter decided to have one day where they didn't want white folks who were going to be off the rails. They don't know if you're going to be the ones behaved on for them or the ones who are there against them. So do they you, picked let me, one let me day ask, to let me do ask the you a, Let me just ask you a quick question. Do yes. you think it's racist to exclude people on the basis of their skin color. I think it's racist when you've been excluding people for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Why don't you answer my question and, and stop with your silly lectures? Forced, I'm asking you a very simple question. And we're forced to come together collectively to celebrate ourselves because you guys won't. You are the larger society. Let's be Ooh, real here. You, you guys, I'm not talking, I'm talking about what I thought we all believed. Let me ask you this. Do you think it would be fair if white people did come to a Black Lives Matter celebration? They do to all have the them, time. When you then, look at Black Lives Matter. Do you use Matters, the same water? That they do? And you see Black Lives Matter coming together collectively for different uh, issues. You see people of all races. So we do accept them this particular day. They said, stay your asses out. We want to oh. celebrate today. Okay. We don't want anybody going against us today. And you can't celebrate if someone who doesn't look like you is around? Yes, you can, but you can you're also demented, say, I don't want actually. to do it. It's a personal you're choice. Sick. And what you're saying is disgusting. And if you were a Nazi, I would say oh, the same thing to you. Luckily, I'm not a Nazi. Because what you're saying is indistinguishable from what they are saying, which is, I don't care your opinions, I don't care your views, your life experience, your intentions. All I care about is the way you look, something that you can't control. And on that basis alone, I'm judging you, and I'm hostile to you. That's the case you're making, and it's divided and wrong and it's amazing that you don't have to say that out loud but it, well, I can't believe you're well, making the case unfortunately unfortunately when you have a racist society like America you force individuals to come together collectively to make sure that they have a voice 
And that's this unfortunate is what that the racism has like. caused okay. people to come together let me, collectively. Let me ask you a question. Is there a single white person in America you would have let into this now, into I, the celebration. I, I'm not. I'm not Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is a You're movement. You're just an apologist However, for this. however, however, I can respect the decision. It doesn't mean it's a decision I would have made. Maybe I would have. Just like a wedding, where I might say your kids can't bring their badasses in my okay. wedding. Children are not an ethnic group. Every it doesn't person matter. in You're the world, it does against matter. People with kids. You're saying don't bring your badass kids. W would it be okay? Yeah, but you see, and it's not, okay. Okay, but w there are white adults and Asian adults and Hispanic adults, and presumably they're basically the same as black we adults. Have, we, but you we, don't agree with that. We have gay pride parades. We have Puerto Rican Day parades. We and have all kinds of parades and, and days that honor individuals. We, we have we have Mother's Day. We have Father's and Day. Fathers so are allowed Mother's to Day, So yeah, that was the interview. Um, yeah, couple of things. Tucker Carlson is so full of shit, dude. Like, it's so exhausting when white people try to throw racism in our faces when we try to celebrate ourselves. We're not celebrated. I mean, she brought up some really good points. Black Bachelorette, 11 seasons. To still have some pretty hokey candidates for her as a black bachelorette. Chances are she'll probably be with the white guy and not a good black. I just, I can't. Whatever. Um, the Oscars. She brought that up. You know, um, how we're not reflected anywhere. I, the other day I was on Facebook and there is a t-shirt that was created um recently and they took it was all women on the t-shirt was superhero women and they were all black which we know uh, we have yet to really see right so they had a black wonder woman on it it had a black supergirl on it it had a black batgirl on it and i thought the shirt was really cool like you know we're never reflected like that and it made me feel good and I was about to purchase it and the very first comment was so you had to change all the races on them it really bothers white people when we want to celebrate ourselves when we want to be reflected in the things that we see on a daily basis I don't get it you the white people are reflected in everything you're everywhere but whenever black people want to celebrate themselves, just like they did at this black Memorial Day party, it's a problem. It's an issue. Now we're racist. No, now we're celebrating ourselves. Leave us alone. You won't do it. Why can't we celebrate ourselves? And I think that was the only point she was trying to make. Tucker Carlson compared her to a Nazi. He called her, you know, called it identity politics. Like he he did everything to call her a monster because she said that black lives matter had the right to have their own 
party that didn't include white people. Jesus, why do you guys have to be included in everything and we're included in nothing? Do you hear how dumb that sounds? I just, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so the college says that they fired her because, well, they use a couple of different reasons, but one of the reasons that they said they fired her was because somehow the college, she, she named the college somehow and um, it affected the college negatively. Well, nowhere in that interview does she mention the college and she's been an adjunct on Fox News for quite some time. So it wasn't that, you know, she just, she had zero fucks to give. She gave it to him. So I'm going to read the statement from the college. Uh, the statement is from um, president, the Essex County College President, Anthony Monroe, who says the college was immediately inundated with feedback from students, faculty, and prospective students and their families expressing frustration concern and even fear that the views expressed by the college by a college employee with influence over students would negatively impact their experience on campus so what i got from that right there is you fucking with our money you fucking with our money you got students mad and you got prospective students mad and you got their families mad that's why she got fired I fully believe, this is the rest of the statement, I fully believe that institutions of higher learning must provide a safe space for students. The character of this institution mandates that we embrace diversity, inclusion, and unity. Racism cannot be fought with more racism. You, you gotta be shitting me. So your excuse for firing her was that she was racist based on racism against black people. That's literally the dumbest shit I ever heard. And you're a university president. I'm sorry, college president. You should know better. You're a college president in New Jersey, which is a black and brown state. Are you serious right now? Just the ridiculousness of this statement is overwhelming to me. He ends it by saying the college affirms its right to select employees who represent the institution appropriately and are aligned with our mission, while noting that it supports and affirms the rights of free speech, independent views, and expressions of those views for our faculty and staff. Well, that's bullshit, because you fired her because she said something you didn't like. She didn't do anything. She said something you didn't like. You fired her for her free speech, where college is where you... You know, you come in, you come into your own, you become an adult. That's where you learn how important free speech is, where there's, of course, there's always repercussions to free speech. You learn that as well when you're in college, but this is the place where you start to learn your political views. This is the place where you start to express yourself. Like that is what college is really about, becoming an adult and forming adult decisions. What this college, you know, um, um, president just said is basically she said something we didn't like she said something the students didn't like some of the parents didn't like and you're messing with our money you gotta go it's absolute bullshit you know um and now she got fired on friday of this week so that would be the 23rd of january i'm sorry of june and really what i would like for all of us to do is just support her 
you know, reach out to her and let her know that you support her. Because honestly, if black women don't support black women, who will? For real. So I'm going to put her Twitter up. It's um, Lisa Durden. That's L-I-S-A-R-D-U-R-D-E-N. So that's Lisa R. Durden on Twitter. Man, follow her. Let her know that you support her. Because this decision was absolute bullshit. Welcome back, everyone. Right now, I'm with Enda Lauren and Dee Dee Jennings from Black Girl Squee, which is a podcast um, that uh, is based all around black women. And I just want to kind of talk to these ladies and and see how they've uh, come along with their podcast and, you know, get some more ears on it. So, ladies, are you well? Are you there with me? Yeah, yes. we're here. All right, welcome, <laughs> welcome. So, first of all, uh, tell me a little bit about yourselves. I'll start with you, Enda. Uh, well, as you said, I'm Enda Lauren. I am a writer and editor, podcaster, and a music curator. Um, all for hire, as I put on my Twitter. Um, I've been doing Black Girl Squee with Didi for about two years now, and. Um, I've uh, written for various outlets like uh, The Learned Fangirl, where I am a contributing fellow right now. I've also been published in like The Butter, which was um, an offshoot of The Toast, but they've both been uh, canceled now. I've been written in Bitch Flicks and um, other um, outlets such as that. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. But, um, <laughs> That's how this works, man. That's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Exo Jane. Yeah, I've um, ran my um, had a blog for a few years now, CornerStorePress.wordpress.com, and uh, that's uh, where I spend a, a lot of my time with uh, writing about music, um, about Black women in music, and doing book reviews sometimes. Okay, and Didi. Uh, my name is Dee Dee. Uh, I go by Dust Daughter just mm-hmm. about everywhere. Um, I I'm a podcaster. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes I blog at dustdaughter.com. Okay. And um, uh, I blog about sports. I like basketball. I blog about music and um, uh, TV shows. And also blog to uh, uh, plug the podcast. Uh, we have a segment on Black Girl Squee called This Week in That Print. <laughs> um, hashtag mm-hmm. WRP. That's what I'm talking about. And um, we provide visual guides to that uh, audio segment um, on my blog. <laughs> oh, yes. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry. What was that blog again? Dustwater.com. Yes, (laughs) dustwater.com. Yes. (laughs) They're all tagged DWIDP so you can get straight to the print. Yes, ma'am. And (laughs) continue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we found somebody who's just. Mm-hmm. Just Continue. <laughs> it's our most popular segment, though. And I'm not surprised. It is. <laughs> Wait, can can I ask? It are gray, are gray sweatpants involved at all? Um, 
They might yes. be. Whenever, mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. applicable. If somebody <laughs> wants to put them on and yeah. swing that thing, we are ready to report on it. Yeah. Um, we pull I'm out a fan. top glasses for, for great sweatpants season. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yes. I'm yes. so ready for these rompers. Me too. I what? to get in that olive green romper. Yes. Wait, so y'all, look, I'm conflicted about these rompers, man. Are y'all serious about this? Look, I love a man. Look, if a man's got thighs, I love it. I love it. Yes. I love it. And there's no mistaking the print in it. But, yo, some of these romper examples I've seen, no. No, no, it's got to be a stylish romper. Some of them are stylish. Um, some of them, I'm like, what were you thinking? But right. also, it kind of depends on who's wearing it and how they pull it off. Yeah. I'm like, African yeah. men have been wearing with these exactly. rompers for years. Exactly. So they know how to. They know how to yeah. style it out. And I, I kind of, I, I kind of hate to put it this way, but black men can usually pull it off well too. Usually. Yeah, because they got body. Well, yeah, yeah, and (laughs) body, yes. (laughs) But you can't just be putting on your sister's romper, man. There is a special type of romper, right? That a man has to wear. Okay, all right. Well, long as we're on the same page with that. Okay, so um, I know you said that you've been doing it for about two years. So, what got you, you guys, into podcasting to begin with? Well, for me, I love podcasts. I mean, I've been writing about how much I love podcasts for, <laughs> for four or five years now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, um, I was a, I'm still still a huge fan of Nerdgasm Noir Network, uh, which were um, five or six black women who uh, just talked about a, a lot of things, like especially in um, nerd and geek cultures. And uh, so it really just kind of felt like not just, you know, having a voice, but having a uh, safe space you know to uh, be share my interest and um, not feel left out in what was going on and so they were filling a really big uh, void in podcasting there and so that was one of the things that kind of made me feel like I can do it but also like uh, Didi said earlier she wanted you know to do it she wanted to get back into podcasting and she approached me with um with Black Girl Squee and first I actually thought she was just asking me to be on her show <laughs> I didn't know she wanted me to co-host it but when I figured out this what um, she wanted I just went with it and so I kind of fell into podcasting the same way I do a lot of things I just kind of stumble into it and I'm like hey okay I'm here so may as well you know look around <laughs> okay now I know you talked about this week in that print that's one segment Tell me some more of your segments. And also, Didi, tell me why you decided on the word squee, too. <laughs> well, um, um, uh, a, a member of Nerdgasm Noir Network, um, Melissa, was going by the Twitter handle, um, uh, the uh, Twitter name of Black Girl Squee. Um, and I just thought, yeah, that's what I want to do. The next time I do a podcast, because I had done podcasts about um, my favorite basketball team, I had done a podcast um, that was trying to talk about um, genre TV, and um, uh, then I tried to do a a solo uh, podcast. Um, So I'd done, you know, um, a couple of podcasts with, you know, varying degrees of... (laughs) success and popularity Mm -hmm. um not very much of either of those things but um 
I wanted to get back into it and I wanted to do something that was that uplifted uh, black women and just celebrated all of the awesomeness and with yeah and I thought black girl squee would uh, kind of encapsulate all of that so um, you you mentioned um, uh, Latoya getting uh, the idea of it that it made you think of sororities mm-hmm. and, and their calls, but yeah, mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. Even though you know, I I live in the D.C. area and went to Howard and all that, I never that never even crossed my mind. No, really, when you when you and when I read your email about uh, Black Girl Squee, I was like, okay, all right, well, let me see what this is about. I totally thought it had something to do with their calls, but. Either way, your podcast sounds really interesting. So tell me about your um, different segments. Um, we start out with uh, uh, Squeeworthy News, mm-hmm. uh, where we talk about um, magazine profiles done on black women creators. Uh, we talk about casting news for black women. Um, we talk about awards that um uh black women have earned uh, like recently we uh celebrated april ryan getting the national association of black journalists award for journalist of the year um um you know we talk about the uh, the emmy and oscar awards when black oh, women yeah. win and mm-hmm. uh and grammys and stuff like that um so and we end each we end each article with a really loud you ready end <laughs> Yes. I love it when black women are happy. Give it to me, shit. I love it. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the show. I'm like, yeah. man, just that's the thing. Like you can take any week, you know, of the year and you will find black women and girls just doing so much amazing and awesome things. I mean, it's just we, we just consistently we just stay amazing. And so I love doing this show and just kind of touting that. Yeah, man. I I look that's the reason why I wanted to do this show is I love black women. I love when we happy when we're happy. I love when we fight for each other. I just love us as a collective, so yeah, I, I, go ahead and squee, girl. Shit, <laughs> right, right, right there with you. Um, right. So there's there's squee worthy news. Um, then um, we may have a main topic uh, if there's a really big issue uh, mm-hmm. that needs to be discussed. Um, we recently talked about uh, missing DC girls because mm-hmm. um, that's. Um, I mean, I live here, so. That's yeah. really important to me. Um, yeah. uh, uh, we talked yeah, we about, talked about the, you know, um, black trans women, yes. um, the the rise in, in in violence and murder against them. Um, and we also <laughs> we also um, uh, uh, used our catch the fade segment to. <laughs> Yeah. To rip into uh, somebody that was uh, just um, putting out really 
um, dangerous and terrible ideas about uh, trans women. So, um, okay. uh, Catch the Fade is where we rant. It's basically our our little read segment <laughs> yeah. uh, where we can get into uh, what's been bugging us and uh, uh, getting on our nerves, um, but you know, or just call out something that needs to stop. Um, um, then there's uh, this week in that print and. <laughs> um, and Enda always comes up with a really relevant um, womanist vocab word uh, that um, kind of ties uh, the whole show together. And uh, we uh, end the show with a Black Girl Commandment. Um, yeah, yeah Dee then... comes up with those. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's pretty much our show. And... Um, they use the episodes used to be longer. Um, they're longer when we have a main topic. Um, but I've been trying to make them shorter because there's been I've gotten some feedback that you know people want to keep it to uh, closer to an hour. When um, you know sometimes when we get talking, uh, yeah. it, it ends up being ninety ninety minutes to like two hours. So yeah. Um, but that's the show pretty much. And okay. you know, if we get if we get feedback, we'd we'd uh read that at the top of the show. So Okay. Please send us feedback. So what is the wait but you skimmed over the black woman commandment, right? What is that? Um, it's just just a just a saying, um just um just just a little something uh to yes. Could in be, the show um yes yeah something like you know protect um black you know girls and women at all costs you know just little nuggets like that okay okay i like that so or, or a reminder to you know um practice self-care and to yeah. oh yeah you know sometimes you have to you have to put that before um, caring for others. Um, you can't you can't just dole out all your energy on everybody else. You do have to, you know, keep some for you. So stuff like that. Just okay. stuff that I wish people had told me a long time ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did a um, an episode the other day and. One of the segments I did was about Solange writing a letter to herself, to her teenage mm-hmm. self. Mm-hmm. I have never thought of doing that, but I wish I would have had something like that when I was a teenager come to me. The knowledge. Yeah. So definitely, I think that what you're doing is important. So besides the obvious black women, who else do you think your podcast is for? I think we get um generally we get a a women a female audience cuz i know mm-hmm. uh there are non-black women who listen to the show and enjoy it mm-hmm. as you know like i said they like to be happy too <laughs> so right. um yeah a lot of people who have uh kind of realized that 
Well, uh, black women, we are kind of at the forefront of things. We're kind of like, if you want to, um, if you really, you know, serious about being uh, socially aware and all, you need to just be um, aware of what black women do and, uh, and think and know ways to support us. So I think we get those types um, listen to the show as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where do you guys see your podcast going? I want to build a network of yes. shows. Oh, wow. That feature the voices of black women, women of color. Um, I just, um, like, on my Patreon, I, I wrote that, you know, that podcasting is a very male um, dominated space right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even uh, a lot of the popular black podcasts are hosted or co-hosted by men. So you're always getting those, you're always getting that viewpoint. And you, I think the getting black women's viewpoint is essential and um and is not as prevalent in this space so i would like to create a network where there are a lot more um shows featuring black women and giving our viewpoints on um on just everything just black girls talking about sports black girls talking about politics black girls talking about comics black girls talking about movies and um black girls talking about reality tv i don't everything just mm-hmm. everything but from our point of view so. yeah i don't think she's meant she didn't mention it she's already starting that expansion because uh she's done a mrs from the underground which was a recap and commentary on the show underground and well we won't talk about uh what's happened to that show yet um but um it's coming back damn it it's coming back i'm gonna try to speak that into existence because i need underground to come back like yeah you know i've never watched underground one of these days i need to try it's a lot it's a lot well let me let me not lie i watched the first episode and i was like yo i'm gonna be angry every week yeah what yeah you would think but it's actually it's they t- I think they topped the, themselves in the second season than they did with the first. You could tell Misha Green had more of her hand in it and focused more on the stories of the women in it. So that's the that's the thing. If you can tell really good stories about women, especially black women, you got me. And Underground did a very, very uh, job in doing these well-rounded um, representations of black women, especially during that time, in ways that you don't get to see black people depicted you know during um the um during that um, that time period in 1850s and so if you give it another chance you might like it you, you, you like she said it's a lot but if you know if you can if you can get through those first episodes and you know and hang in there it it, it was worth it well what i was doing at the time was i was gonna binge 
And yeah. I, I think I watched yeah. like one or two episodes and I was like, eh, this ain't the show to binge, man. This is not no, the show to binge. No. Too much to binge. <laughs> it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like I need I mean, to space out some heart. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So maybe I'll do it, but I'll just watch maybe one episode every two weeks or so. So I can yeah. step yeah. off my anger a little bit. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I haven't I done it again. The episode at work so I can get it <laughs> oh. and, you know, prepare for the podcast. Oh. Nah. I can't yeah. you can't watch it at work with my phone. No, you okay. wanna slap the hell out of everybody that's talking to you. <laughs> Crazy. So, yes. Yeah. Okay, before before we move on, I also wanted to mention she also does ratchet research with uh Katrina Jackson. She does she did underground with Maria Jackson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Katrina's last name is Jackson, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ratchet Research. All the Jacksons. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Ratchet Research, it's, unlike the name implies, it kind of has a bit of a scholarly bent to it on things, but it's also really fun. Okay. So, and and it's really yeah we 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 get kind of silly and shady and <laughs> and just it's, yes. it's messy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. Academy. That sounds like fun. Ratchet research, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's on the Black Girl Squeaky Feet. It's all it's it's all in the same place right now. Okay. Um, so um, I'd like to do more shows, but. Um, uh, you know, this Zencaster be costing and uh, uh, all these other, you know, you know, the simple cast, uh, you know, it, it, podcasting costs, um, yeah. you know, the shit ain't free. So no, it's not. I need I need some more money coming in because um, uh, right now is most is is mainly just my money <laughs> sunk into this. So uh, I need to get um, uh, more more patrons um, to help further this network along. But that's where I'd like to be um, in a few years uh, with this network fully um, launched and uh, black women talking about all the things. Mm -hmm. Because that's the voice that matters, at least to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. the voice that, that that gives me the best knowledge. So, so what do you find? I'm going to ask y'all two full question. What do you find difficult about podcasting, and what do you love about podcasting? Well, I'm a. First of all, I'm gonna say editing. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Enda loves it. It's. But um, editing well, is what I hate. Um, you know the the technical difficulties. Yes, are annoying. Um, but you know they're a part of it. Um, and I I I feel like I feel like the shows would could be more popular. Could get more. Um, more feedback i feel like um it could yeah it could it could be bigger but um i just um i don't know how to tap into whatever audience could be out there i don't i don't know i need to step my marketing game up (laughs) yeah and also for me, I always kind of have to, I, I have to get past, you know, these, you know, doubts and, you know, voices like, are am I interesting enough? You know, am I, uh, mm-hmm. 
am I engaging, you know, with people mm-hmm. in a way that they like? And that's um always kind of a worry for me. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like she said, technical difficulties, as you uh, found <laughs> earlier today, <laughs> technology does not like me. Mm, I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, that's just, it's it's just frustrating. But then sometimes you get you know a a payoff you know somebody will find something in value in what you do and I'm like okay so it was worth those you know six hours of editing and pain and that I went through to you know do this so yeah in the end it always seems to work out especially if somebody tells you that you know they understood you they know where you're coming from they rock with you it makes it all worth it Trust yeah. me, I go through those same insecurities doing this show by myself all yeah. the time. So I understand. Trust me. But what do you love about it? Well, with Black Girl Squee, I really just like talking to Dee Dee. Um, like we were saying, I told her in our uh, self-care episode, I just like talking to her and just being able to talk about all the awesome things Black women do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's therapeutic. Uh, you know, I love that. But also, yeah, I do, you know, love having that payoff, you know, when somebody, you know, else, you know, gets something out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love, you know, having a voice because before, you know, podcasting, it's like one of those things just really struggling to find my voice. And so it's like I've gotten better at that. Some of the things that I've learned doing that, I've actually been able to um, translate to other shows that I do with the, with it, when it's just me. And so it's being in that place and saying, having the confidence like, oh, I I actually can do this. So it's, um, it's been, it's been a way to help me evolve. I should, I I guess I could say. Okay. And Didi, what do you love? Um, I love talking about all of the awesome things that black women are doing Mm -hmm. all over the world. And, uh, uh, I love, I, I love just being able to talk my shit, basically, because yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like, you know, um, I feel like, um, I mean, I'm a black woman. Um, I may not be an authority on all things black feminism, or, but I can speak a little bit about being a black woman. So I yeah. have a little bit of authority on that. So can't you got that down pat? Yeah, yeah. Can't mm-hmm. nobody on Twitter like you know take that from me or anything like that. But um, I I love uh yeah I love just getting my squee on and um, mm-hmm. being able to uh, talk about uh the uh, various different things uh, that this show gets uh, allows us to talk about. Um, what do I what do I love about podcasting? I do like when we do get feedback and um, we see that we have we see that um, we do mean something to um, somebody else that somebody else is actually listening mm-hmm. <laughs> and liking what they hear. Um, I and Enda touched on it before, but. Um, I'm just, I'm always um, surprised and delighted by the number of non-Black women of color that enjoy the show and don't feel put off by it 
yeah. or by the topic by the fact that we focus on black women they still they enjoy it you know just as much as anybody else um and support the show like so um uh that that's that's been um a surprising uh little uh 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 part of it for me um so yeah that's what I like about it <laughs> well, good I haven't got my first feedback yet but I imagine when I get my first ones I'll feel it'll feel rewarding mm-hmm. if nothing else like yes. okay so someone there's actually someone that's listening because it feels like what I'm doing is just going out into the the ether the netherworlds the <laughs> Yes. another dimension like and that's cool because yeah. i'm able to get it out there but it'll be it yeah i imagine getting feedback probably would be you know really good for um the show itself so before i forget mm-hmm, black women shout out ladies black woman shout out so i'm gonna start with you Inda. tell me your black woman shout out for today okay well um I actually didn't realize she'd been on the show before, but yeah, I'm going to go with Tanya DePass. She is the founder of I Need Diverse Games, and I um, love how she always tells the story, how she found it. She was ranting about uh, video games at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, as you do. Mm -hmm. But she's done so much with that organization, and now she goes to conferences and things, you know, speaks about uh, diversity in gaming and a lot of the problems that uh, uh, gamers of color, uh, black women, and uh, people with other marginalizations such as disabilities and things like that, how they um, have to deal with uh, gaming environments and things like that. And so she does really amazing work with that. And she, like I said, she is inspirational, definitely. And so I just love you know the work she does. And I'll get to see her next week at WizCon. Yay. <laughs> At Westcon, is that what you said? Westcon. Oh, Westcon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Tanya was a lot of fun to talk to, so we had a great yes. interview. And Dee Dee, what's your black woman shout out for today? Well, I would like to shout out the Black Swan Con- Collective or um, mm-hmm. uh, Corner Store Press presents the Black <laughs> Swan Collective, hosted by... Uh, the lovely Inda Lauren. Uh, it's been going two years strong. It's a music show on Mixcloud. And uh, it features all black women artists. Um, some you may have heard of. Uh, some you may have not. Um, doing all forms of music. So it's um, so if you love music, if you love black women, uh, it just puts the two together and you get to see just how much creativity and genius there is uh, in black women musicians that um, uh, we just don't see enough of uh, in uh, the mainstream. So, um, and they have, and she has this great um, throwback segment that be taking me back (laughs) in the day. like uh, she played um, Tasman Archer and uh, Dion Ferris and um, oh, what's that? Kina. Kina. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I remember all those songs. I remember wearing them out on cassette. 
Cassette. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and it's taking me back to cassettes. <laughs> I should throw I should throw my phone down. <laughs> so. Go and go and <laughs> Yeah, Black Salon Collective. Um uh she's doing a lot of great stuff on her Patreon. Um, uh, um, uh, a great city great series of audio essays called uh, Indus Corner Mm -hmm. and um, so just just check out she be doing dope shit so (laughs) and I will definitely be checking that out I'm a big music fan so absolutely so tell everyone how they can get in touch with you I definitely am going to put your information in the show notes so that people will be able to get to you but just so that people can get out there in touch with you and and listen to your podcast just tell them how they can do that I'm going to start with you Didi all right well um all of our episodes are on blackgirlsquee.simplecast.fm. Uh, you can search for us on iTunes, Google Play, um, uh, any podcatcher, um, Black Girl Squee. Um, and uh, you can email us, blackgirlsquee at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr where we post all the episodes as well. BlackGirlSquee.tumblr.com, and we're on Twitter, BlackGirlSquee. That's the account that Enda and I both run. Um, And we're on we're on Twitter individually as Enda's Corner and Dust Daughter. And I think, and the Patreon is Black is uh, Patreon.com BlackGirlSquee. I think that's about it. <laughs> so I found your podcast. I use Podcast Addict. I've already downloaded a few episodes. All so right. It is absolutely easy to find you, ladies. And um, this week in, in that in that print. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I found the <laughs> website. Mm-hmm. Rontez Valentine. Mm-hmm. I see you. I see you. And a man with that- a beard. What? Yes. Uh. <laughs> Great beards of our time. Great beards of our time. Yes. Supporting. Oh. Um, <laughs> I need. Yeah, we need to add the gin from American Gods. That oh, was a great I did. beard of our time. I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't great. seen that episode yet. Oh. I heard that episode was good, though. I heard it was they, good. They was giving you beard and print. It was like oh, I get both. Everything. Not I get even both? print. They just giving you. Oh, they give it to me all. Yes. You know what, though? They do show a lot of D on that show. They do. Yes. They do. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, oh, my God. That whole scene. It was that beautiful. entire sequence of events was just thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to. Um, I look forward to watching that episode then because I've only seen it up to episode two. Ooh, and episode three. two had quite a bit of it in there itself. I was like, wait a minute, wait, pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I see you playing around on stars. They not. It got better. It got better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like, yeah, it's 
they are totally styled and on HBO. Like, bet you can't do this. Right. <laughs> how, many, <laughs> how many how many penises can you put in an episode? <laughs> right. Watch me now. Watch me now. <laughs> Watch me work. oh gosh oh this episode has been a lot of fun ladies was there anything else that you'd like to add before we disconnect the call um i'd also like to shout out um black joy mixtape and we robbed a zoo and because i love those podcasts yes and um they bring me they make me um very happy and they're black women running things on there and just doing great stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's called Black Girl Mixtape or Black Woman Mixtape? It's called Black Joy, Joy. Mixtape. Black Joy Mixtape. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And I also just wanted to shout out Nerdgasm Noir Network again because they really did open a lot of doors for black women podcasters. And the OGs. Just yes. Just showing it can be done and you no. Know, that that voice was needed and so just kind of really being uh the the foundation for it you know that made a lot of us say yeah we can do this okay all right well thank you ladies it's been so much fun talking to you today thank you mm-hmm. thank you my pleasure all right so i guess this this uh whole episode is going to be based around some of my sheroes because right now I'm about to talk about an article written by Leslie Mack who's another shero of mine I've been a fan of Leslie and just kind of watching what she does for years right like I know of her I listened to Black Eyed Teb so that was my first introduction to Leslie and then I've listened to Interracial John which is the podcast that uh, her and Drew have created that's really good um, I admire her so much for what she does for our community. You know, she is an organizer. She is boots to the ground, you know, out there fighting for our rights. And, you know, I respect her so much for that because there's so many of us that take that for granted and we shouldn't. And I love her for a di- from a, from a very far distance. You know, I love her for doing that for us. And then, of course, she and Marissa are behind the safety pen box. So, you know, she's out here getting these white people in check while putting checks in the hands of black women. And I love that. So I wanted to read an article um, that she wrote on a website called The Lily that I thought was really good about the death of Charlena Lyles. So the article is titled, Black Women Are the Only Ones Showing Up for Black Women. So we've lost another black woman to state violence this week. Charlena Lyles, a pregnant mother of four, was gunned down by police in her home. Lyles called the police reporting a burglar in her home. Instead, they showed up and killed her in front of her children. There are many things about this devastating tragedy that are worth writing about. The narrative being spun by Seattle police via the Seattle Times and other media outlets, the eyewitness accounts of the incident, the notion that bullets are needed to handle a tiny black woman in her own home. But I'd like to focus on just one part of this. The lack of attention being paid to this death in the wide and expanding movement for black lives. 
Activist Feminista Jones expressed this via Twitter a few days ago. I want to cry because I know that Charlena Lyles won't get the same support in protests because she is a black woman and a mother. Hashtag say her name. And Feminista wrote this on the 18th of June. Jones is spot on here. Lack of support for the victims of police violence who are black women has been a persistent issue for a long time. Black women are taking the lead in the current movement for black liberation, while also being ignored and pushed aside when our deaths occur. I have been working to connect people to this movement for over five years. The first nationwide call to action I participated in was the National Moment of Silence in August of 2014. It was a nationwide vigil for Michael Brown initiated by Jones. Over 115 cities participated around the country. I coordinated the Philadelphia vigil and was bowled over by the 700 plus Philadelphians who showed up for Brown that day. I went on to create the Ferguson Response Network Tumblr to support additional nationwide efforts calling for change. Over 150 cities participated around the world and the site was featured on the Rachel Maddow show. I was excited to see the movement become more connected and a responsive entity. Black death at the hands of the state is a rage-inducing reality in this country. It happens as sure as the sun comes up each day, and the months following the creation of Ferguson Response were no exception. Nationwide calls to action became a way of life for me and many others. We took to the streets for Eric Gardner, Tamir Rice, John Crawford, Brandon Tate Brown, Freddie Gray, and so many others stolen from our communities too soon by police. Each time I added a call to action to the Tumblr, cities will respond by planning an action. Getting 80 plus cities to participate each time was a fairly simple task. In May 2015, a group of organizations issued a call to action to hashtag say her name. We wanted to shift focus onto the black women who have been killed. I was excited and hopeful that the moment I had watched become so powerful would show up for black women. Reality hit me like a sledgehammer. Not only could we not get 50 cities to participate, I remember having to get on the phone and personally call organizers in 20 cities to get them to hold hashtag say your name actions. 20 cities, such a low bar. I was hurt but hopeful that these 20 cities would turn out for black women. Not only was the attendance low, the hashtag say your name actions were almost exclusively attended by black women. In Chicago, where Rakia Boyd was killed by police, organizers reported only six attendees that were not black women. Six. Another sobering truth came in August 2015 when activist Elle Hearns called for the hashtag Trans Liberation Tuesday, a nationwide call to action to support the brutal murders of black transgender women across the country. We saw even lower participation, attendance, engagement, and focus. It became crystal clear. When we center on black women, cis or trans, don't expect anyone to show up besides black women. And now in the wake of the death of Charlena Lyles, that truth persists. This truth is pathological. I know that. I know this because most reading this won't know the names of the following women the police and the state have taken from us. Megan Hockaday, Yvette Smith, Alexia Christian, Yvette Henderson, Alberta Sproul. Shanique Proctor, Tanisha Anderson, Cherise Francis, Shelley Frey, Chantel Davis, Miriam Carey, Michelle Casano, 
Melissa Williams, Kayla Moore, Gabriella Navarez, Erica Collins, Michaela Ross, Anita Gay said plainly, we collectively do not ha- do not hashtag say your name and never have. Late last year, I started the Safety Pen Box, a monthly subscription box for white people striving to be allies with Marissa Janae Johnson. From the start, Marissa were clear about one thing. We created this business to support black women. We chose to do this because it's been very clear to me for quite some time that the only people here for black women are black women. We won't see widespread widespread outrage for Charlena Lyles that we did for Alton Sterling. Black women are the ones who will be supporting the Lyles family. Black women are the ones who will be leading the protests of this senseless death. Black women are the ones who will not, black women are the ones will not allow the police narrative to be the only narrative in the life of this beautiful mother. This movement needs a wake up call. When organizing is measured in actions and attendance and success is tallied in crowd size, how can black women ever be free? How long can we continue to be both the black, the backbone of this movement and its whipping post? Like that was a sentence that got me. How long can we endure our own pain being ignored? This situation is unintentable. It's time for a reckoning. It's time to clear the air and start over. It's time for us all to finally hashtag say her name. And until that happens, I'll be here doing everything in my power to lift up the names and the lives who we of those who we lost and to build more capacity to do the work that calls me every day, supporting black women all day, every day. What a great article, because it's so true. If we don't support each other, no one will. I mean, no one. No, we're out here in the streets for black men. We we shout out black men. We fight for black men, but they don't fight for us. And the only ones that do is all of us here. We are the only ones that support each other. And we got to, people have got to see how much pain that we're in. You know, how much we need them to say our name because our names are just as important as much as we do for our community, for um, the community as a whole, you know, um, we're mothers, we're sisters, we're lovers, we're providers, we're, you know, out here fighting for everybody's rights, but no one's fighting for ours. Yeah, that time has got to come for people to say our name too. Big up to you, Leslie. I love this article. All right, so on this episode, I'm speaking to Miss Shayla Raquel, who did a short film called Rivermint. And Rivermint highlights the differences and similarities between the civil rights activists of yesterday and the freedom fighters of today. Miss Shayla, are you there? Yes. All right, well, welcome, welcome to the show. First of all, I wanted to get a little bit about yourself. So I'm as Latoya said, my name is Shayla Raquel. Um, I feel like I am the epitome of the saying, um, use your nine to five to fund your five to nine. And that's exactly what I've been doing. Um, I've been interested in film and that medium since I was probably 12 years old. And um, I have been doing it ever since then. Um, I currently am a student at American University. I'm a film student. And um, Riverman is actually my thesis film. Um, So I can complete my matriculation and get my master's of fine arts degree in film and electronic media. 
Um, I'm originally from Columbia, South Carolina, but I'm now um, located in Washington, D.C. area, and I absolutely love it here. Um, it's been wonderful to be here. Um, um, I did my undergraduate at Florida a University. Go Rattlers. I bleed orange and green. And um, I'm just excited to be here. I'm excited to talk with you today. All right. So what I'm going to start off with first is the... Um, the intro on your website that kind of explains what Rivermint is. So let's play sure. that. I hear voices. I hear voices. I hear when I was a child, my grandparents would tell me stories about what it was like for them to survive in the Jim Crow South. Their words and their precautions flowed like blood in my veins. And from that, I grew and became aware. With a new civil rights movement brewing, I knew I had to be a part of this new awakening. I told my grandmother this, and she said, My generation did those things so that you wouldn't have to. For months, her words stuck with me, and I decided to explore that as a concept and use it as a way to place my fingerprint on the new movement in the best way that I know how, through art and through film. Hi, my name is Shayla Raquel, and I am the writer and director of the short film Rivermint. Rivermint is a heart-wrenching drama that explores the generational differences between the black baby boomers who participated in the civil rights movement and the millennials participating in Black Lives Matter, while also highlighting the post-traumatic stress experienced by those involved in both. The film follows Maureen, who tells her granddaughter, Tina, stories about what she encountered during her years as a civil rights activist. When Tina grows up and decides to follow in her grandmother's footsteps, their relationship becomes strained out of fear for Tina's safety. Family, love, culture, and support are elements that will flow throughout this film. And my goal is to show that despite generational differences, solidarity is most important because the fight continues on. The completion of Rivermint will serve as my third film project. filmmaker who is interested in telling compelling stories that feature black women as dynamic, flawed, and complex characters. And with this film, that is exactly what I plan to do. Rivermint is not a completed film yet, and it won't become one without your help. Every penny raised will go towards production costs, which means every donation, no matter how big or small, will go towards turning this beautifully crafted script into a beautifully crafted film. Help me make my filmmaking dreams come true by checking out this Kickstarter, browsing through the perks, looking at the website, and giving what you can. Any amount helps. And remember, a movement that isn't evolving isn't moving. So first of all, I got to say the imagery on that um, that short film that you just did on here is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, like um, I love the um, different signs that you showed, the civil rights signs that you showed. Um, I, I 
the concept behind this is really interesting to me. So tell me a little bit more about River Mint. All right. Um, so River Mint, um, as stated in the Kickstarter video, um, is about a former civil rights activist and the way that she copes with her traumatic experiences by sharing her stories with her granddaughter by the river. Um, when her granddaughter grows up and decides she wants to continue to fight, um, generational differences kind of push them apart. Um, and I came up with Rivermint after a conversation I had with my own grandmother. Um, just a little bit background about my grandmother and my grandfather. They were um, they were born in like South Carolina during the Jim Crow era, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, with my with growing up in South Carolina, they were just very they just made um, us very racially aware. Um, they made us very proud of our heritage, and they would tell us the different stories about the different things that they encountered um, growing up as like teenagers and young adults and. Um, in the Jim Crow South and just, you know, listening to that and you, you kind of like, and you embody that you, you become aware and you, you become proud. And, um, I always just enjoyed listening to my grandmother and my grandfather's stories. And to them, you know, they didn't think that they were, um, civil rights activists in their heads, you know, a civil rights activist is someone who's definitely on the front lines, but, um, the different things that they did to show resistance in my head, they were, they were definitely, activists um there's no right way to be an activist mm -hmm. um so with you know with knowing all of that and growing up in that type of environment and then kind of going off to college and then moving up into the dc area and then you know we we kind of hit this it was definitely not a new age it's just because of social media and because of the news it's more in our face um, this new movement against um, police brutality had came about. I just felt empowered. And I was just, I just remember like calling my grandmother and going, grandma, I think it was, I think I want to say this was when um, um, the incident with Michael Brown had occurred. Mm -hmm. And I just remember calling my grandma like, grandma, I, I want to go out and I want to go march. They're going to have a march in DC. I'm angry, this, that, and the third. And my grandmother was just like, no, like, no, you need to just turn off the news. You're always going to be angry if you just keep watching the news and stuff like that. And I just remember her saying, you know, we did all those things back in the day so that you and your generation didn't have to. And with her saying that, I was just like, wow, like, wow. And, you know, that's it's, it's a, it was a protection thing. It wasn't necessarily that she didn't want me to, um, you know, fight the good fight. It was just that. No one expects no no person of that generation had expected that we would be still fighting some of the things that they were fighting back then now. So um, with her saying that, you know, it just kind of really um, kind of really just <laughs> embedded inside me and I just couldn't let it go. And then I thought, um, wow, like I think this would be an interesting movie. Um, idea. And I think that'll be interesting to just explore those differences, but still, you know, show, um, show the pride, but, and show like this, that solidarity is still needed, but also like kind of show that this, those type of reaction is, it's post-traumatic stress. It is the fact that, you know, they went through all of that stuff and, you know, they're still, they're still feeling the effects of all of that stuff. And they don't want us to, um, to mentally be affected by that stuff. Um, 
like they are. And so that's how Rivermint kind of came about. And it has been grown. It has grown and grown and grown into this this huge thing that I am so, so proud of. And she's proud of. She um, helped. She's helped me. I've called her numerous times while while writing and producing this. And I keep sending her pictures and she's just so proud of it. And um, yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience. Now your grandmother sounds like a wonderful woman. Oh, she is. She mm-hmm. owns she owned a black business in South Carolina and just mm-hmm. and just um my and so did my grandfather and um just caters to the community. She t- she told some stories about how at the church um they would teach the older the elders how to read and write and um so that they can try to go vote and it was just uh the stuff that she can she can I could talk all day about her and my love for her. <laughs> <laughs> and look this is secret sauce. So that's what this is here for. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I love it. So I understand why you chose this made it sounds like this is something that you've always been into film itself. Yes. Um, go ahead. So about that. Um, I'm actually, so I used to actually want to be an actress. That's why I think it was interesting that you had asked before we started recording. Um, was I in the movie? <laughs> I, I, um, I've always been into the arts probably since I w- was able to walk and talk. My mother would tell you, I have, I have loved everything about film arts and, and theater. And then, um, um, when I was 12 years old, um, I just for background information, I have sickle cell, I have sickle cell disease. Um, so when I was 12 years old, I had like a stroke. And with that, it kind of like, with that tragedy kind of happening, it came to me like a new appreciation for life. And so um, to like kind of hold on to that, like that life factor, I've, I kind of got into like storytelling and writing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would like write all the time, write stories all the different time. And then, you know, I had like, um, it's like, I think like eight or nine um, grandchildren up under me and I would have them like do little short films and do little music videos. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you're doing that stuff as a child, you don't, you're not thinking, oh, this is something that I can see as a career. You're just having fun, you know. And then um, my grandmother, actually, she was kind of the person who had pushed, you know, pushed me to um, pursue it as a as a more than just a hobby. Um, so it was her. And then, um, when I was in high school, I was in the drama club cause I love being on stage and I had a, a, a teacher, um, who was like, Hey, Shaylee, you should also learn what it's like to direct. You should learn how to be behind the camera. And so she allowed me to direct my own play for the entire school. And with just having that type of like support system, mm-hmm. um, um, even though I like went to flat FAMU and majored in computer science, I was still doing videos. I was doing videos for the Greeks on campus. I was doing videos for like the small businesses, like doing little promotional videos. And my grandmother had like snuck and bought me my, my first own camera. And then she snuck and bought me my first Mac so I could edit and, um, just having that type of support system. Um, I just kept going. And once I graduated, I was like, you know, I, I, I think I'm ready. I think I can do this. Um, so even though I'm working, I work now for, um, the government, um, I decided to go to film school full time. So I'm a full time student and a full time government employee. Jesus help me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah. And, um, it's, it's been a wonderful experience and it just made me realize that, you know, this is a, it's a passion, it's a calling. And, um, 
Um, I'm going to continue to work until my five to nine becomes my nine to five. <laughs> that's right. I know that's right. So how long has it taken you from start to right now? Uh, for River Mint? Mm -hmm. So it has been two years and we mm -hmm. just finished um, production. So we still have probably six months to a year to go. Um, I started writing this in 2015. Okay. Um, I had just um, I had just came off of a, a high. Actually, I had I had just finished a short film called Life's Checklist. And that went off to win, um, to get entered into, it was officially selected into nine film festivals and won awards and six. And so coming off of that high, it's like when you're, when you're an artist, you, you kind of chase this high, this, this completion of a project type high. And, um, when you come down from it, you just got to hop into your next one. So Rivermint was kind of my next one. I kind of already had the idea because of the conversation I had with my grandmother and that, then it was just now to start writing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started writing it on my own and then I took a, a writing for short film class um, to like give me the the discipline to like really hardcore finish it. Because um, when you're and when it's for a grade, you know, you you get it done. All so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, even though I had started writing, yeah, I think that taking it for doing it for that class kind of um, helped me helped me like, like get it down. And then um, from there, um, I had to go, I had to take the thesis course where you have to actually pitch it in front of a, um, all like the faculty and staff and some students. And um, I got, a, my pitch got accepted on its first try. And uh, we have been working, that was all 2015. <laughs> We've been working on it ever since. We started um, fundraising in 2016. We did a Kickstarter, which that video that you shown was um, was from. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up raising 21, a little over $21,000 in our Kickstarter. And um, with Kickstarter taking all of the fees, we only ended up with like maybe like 18000 but. Mm -hmm. Still, um, that's Kickstarter is a, a hard platform to. So I'm very, very proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, so we did the Kickstarter and then we started production. I want to say September of 2016. We hit so many snafus and so many things just went wrong that um, we ended up we ended up um, saying, hey, guys, let's um, let's stop. Let's um, let everybody take a break. Um, get through the the holiday season and let's just do a fresh start in March and so that's what we did and our March shoot, shoots were so smooth and um, yeah we just finished we just we just wrapped our last um, we la we wrapped our last shooting date on April 8th and so now we're in the editing phase so do you still have the Kickstarter or is the Kickstarter ended so the Kickstarter had um, has ended. However, mm -hmm. when you um, when you when your Kickstarter is successful, your Kickstarter can become a website. So if people go to the Kickstarter, they're still able to donate. They're still okay. there's a donation link right there. Okay. And so right now you said you're in post production, but you still need some help to get this film off the ground, right? To get it out out there. Absolutely. So people don't realize post-production costs um, about the same, not more than production. Um, we have to pay um, for editing. We have to pay for color correction. Um, we have to pay for sound design. We have to pay for 
um, music licensing or music composition. So basically everything that makes this, turns this film into a living, breathing um, thing, we need to, we have to pay for, and it's very expensive. So um, we use all our money, we use all our Kickstarter money for just getting through production. And so now we're trying to raise money for the post-production phase. Okay. And mm-hmm. so where would you like to see your film in the future? Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, mm-hmm. my, <laughs> so, um, I've always been told just, you know, shoot for the moon. If you, um, and then if you don't hit the moon, you'll land amongst the stars. So it was always my dream to win a student Academy Award. I was just, um, I, I've always wanted to enter my film into the, the student Academy Awards. Um, if you, if you're, um, have, if you're familiar about the student Academy Awards, Spike Lee had won one when he was in, um, NYU. And usually your thesis film is what the thing that propels your career. Um, so, um, Student Academy Award um, would definitely be one. Also, the American Black Film Festival, that is like my my number two. I would love to see it in um, the bigger film festival. So American Black Film Festival, Sundance, South by Southwest, um, Urban World. Um, I just wanted it to hit the, the bigger the bigger festivals um, in hopes that it will help prepare my propel my career and get more support so that I can continue to make more films. Well, good luck with everything. I really hope that this takes off for you. And I'm hoping that the people that are listening today will also help you, you know, get get uh, get some donations to you so that you can continue to grow your film. Thank Um, you. Do you have anything in the horizon that you like anybody or our listeners to to know about? Or do you have anything that you're looking forward to in the future that involve the film? Actually, yes. Um, what I am, this is, and this is a hope, um, we are planning to do a few screenings once we're finished. We're looking at around November, but that can easily, depending on um, how this post-production phase go and how um, how fast or how slow we raise the money to do post-production. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at November, but that can easily become February. But we are planning to have screenings, um, national screenings around um, the East and West Coast before we start submitting it into film festivals. Um, DC is definitely going to be one. We want to do New York, Atlanta. I have to go um, back home to South Carolina and also Tallahassee, Florida, because those are like home to me. Okay. And um, also LA. So um, we will probably, I would love to have everyone come to those screenings. I'm planning on traveling to the screenings that we plan um, so that we can have a director Q&A where people can um, ask me questions about the film. Um, so definitely look out for that. If you just stay on our website, we keep our calendar of events um, updated. So just stay on our website, look for those screenings that'll come um, winter 2016, I mean, 2017 and 2018. Okay. All right. So what I would like for you to do is make sure that you give everybody your information so they can get in touch with you. Of course, I'm going to have it in the show notes as well, but I really want your film to get out there. Um, Your message is needed right now. And um, I find what you did was really important. Um, grandmas they're the best right (laughs) absolutely they're the absolute best so tell everybody how they can touch with you 
All right. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shayla Raquel. That's S H A Y L A R A C Q U E L. Um, I have a Facebook fan page. I have the, a Twitter, and I have um an Instagram. As far um, and that's also my website. So if you're um, looking for any type of videography services or anything like that, um, I do do videography. Um. Just go to um, shaylaraquel.com, S-H-A-Y-L-A-R-A-C-Q-U-E-L.com. And just send me an inquiry, and um, I would get right back to you. Um, as far as the film, you can find the film on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Rivermint Film. Um, that's R-I-V-E-R-M-E-N-T, film. Um, you can also... Yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Secret Sauce. You're welcome. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to also shout out a black woman. Oh, girl. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. Please do. And I think I've pretty much already... um, um, I'm going to just do two, but I, I, I feel like I've pretty much already did that, but shout out to, um, my mother and, um, my mother and grandmother who instilled in me the pride of, um, what it means to be black, mm-hmm. um, and to have pride in that. Um, I just want to shout out to all, um, black mothers and, um, black grandmothers out there. Like, um, you're the ones who, who cultivate this, um, who gen- this cultivate this generation and, um, make us proud of ourselves. And, um, I am thankful for you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> right, you have a great day. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right. So to end the show today, I wanted to send out a shout out to um, Leslie Jones, man. As I speak right now, she is hosting the 2017 BET Awards. And I'm so proud of her. Like this woman has been in the comedy game for years and um, just now starting to get her shine. You know, she was she got on SNL. You know, and she's been killing it there. Then she went on Ghostbusters and she was hilarious in that. And right now she's hosting the BET Awards. So big ups to you, mama. I thought it would be cool to kind of play like an older um, comedy routine of hers that I've always, one of her um, um, really old special. It was called Problem Child. I think she did it on Showtime years and years ago. And so I wanted to play a little segment of it. I thought it'd be kind of cool to listen to some of her comedy today. So enjoy. Fuck a relationship. Motherfuckers always talking about it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Fuck that. I say it's better to have some dick in your life than no dick at all. This is change that whole damn thing up, son. I wanna get fucked good. I wanna get fucked so good that you just wanna buy him something. You just you like, nigga, you don't need no tires. You don't need. <laughs> you, nigga, you don't, you don't want no money to start a business. <laughs> Some spaghetti. I... 
Then you start crying. You ever cried over some dick, y'all? And you're like, Cause y'all know the good man and the good dick don't come in the same package. No, it don't, fuck that. Now, I, now I'm not saying that the good man can't fuck, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he don't fuck you as good as that nigga that treats you like shit! <laughs> Why? Why? Why, why? Why? You be over your homegirl's house crying because this nigga that dogged you out and shit, your girl be mad as fuck. She be like, why you keep fucking with him? Why you keep going back to this nigga? This nigga keep dogging you. Why you keep fucking this nigga? He can fuck. He can fuck. The dick is too good. I can't let it go. No. This nigga chase you in the parking lot at church in front of your mama. You be like, but I love him. relationship yeah leslie jones is the shit man so really like shout out to her man for real um i'm just excited to see where she's going you know her trajectory right now is just unstoppable and i wish her the absolute best man for real thank you so much for listening your support means everything to us if you have feedback something you want to discuss, or you own a business you like to promote, please contact us at bwsbusiness at mtrnetwork.net. Remember, you are beautiful, you're brilliant, and you're bad as fuck. Support another black woman today. Bye.